Bobby, what's wrong with the car? Uh-oh, I think it's broke. Look, that thing there is all smoked up. We, we got a pair of pliers and a screwdriver. We can find out. I think we should just start poking stuff. Oh, all right. All right. don't do that, folks. Tune into the Grease Gurus. Don't go to the emergency room. Go to the Grease Gurus and learn why your car might have stopped on the side of the road and what not to touch. On Saturday mornings from 10 a.m. on the Tan Talk Radio Network. Ouch, that hurt! You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. right in the very center of the state of Utah. This was the residence of Big Daddy Ed Roth back in the day. He's gone now, but they have an annual Big Daddy Ed Roth reunion. The Roth reunion is held here in Manti, Utah, every single year, and uh, it's a gathering of the tribes of hot rodders and bikers and cartoon lunatics and just crazy, crazy, wonderful people come here to Manti, Utah, a very unlikely place for such a strange collection of individuals. One of the most interesting groups showing up here are the Pinstripers. Ed got his start as a Pinstriper back in the 50s, and while he moved on to building his own cars and cartooning and chopping motorcycles, the 50s were the hot rod era in America, and Ed was alive and well right in the middle of the whole darn thing. It was a product of post-war America. Another odd duck pinstriper is this character who goes by the name Magoo. Frank is his real name. I had him make me a t-shirt in the time-honored tradition of the Rat Fink reunion. I met Ed Roth in 1955, and Roth had just come out of the Air Force and had started a new shop and was doing his thing, and they got permission, my dad and Rudy Ramos and uh, Ed, Eddie Golden took me to Roth's shop um, when he was with the Baron and Kelly, and uh, he gave me my first two striping brushes, one's in the gallery and the other one's in my box, and uh, from then on I was striping. I was about eight years old when that happened, eight, nine years old. Striping leads to hot rodding, or is it the other way around? I forget sometimes. What Ed really wanted to do was build crazy hot rods. But the cars are just way too expensive to buy. These are interesting. The same manufacturers that made the Ratfink models also started doing models of all of his various hot rods. No kid from the 1960s ever got by without building at least one Ed Roth car. It was singularly the coolest thing you could do if you were too young to have a driver's license. And if you did have a driver's license, well then you had to build your own dang hot rod. The Rat Fink reunion includes a really nice car show for those people whose toys are just a little larger than the plastic models. A lot of these cars are just fabulous. It blows my mind. And a couple of hundred of them show up in the park in Manti. 
Needless to say, a lot of them have really outrageous pinstriping and airbrushing, although some just have rust. Hello out there. Peabody and Sherman here. Set the Wayback Machine. We enter the Wayback and we're immediately hurtled back through time and space. This is the legendary guitarist Dick Dale, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Listen to the thunder. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google, Tanthar1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreetMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you miss any of our past 430-some-odd shows, you can check out our podcast page, which is located on our website. Anyway, hey, we're in the Christmas season here. Uh, I'm going to do this every week for the next couple of weeks. Merry Christmas to everybody. In fact, if you go to my Facebook page, I think I posted something up there the other day because uh, I was at uh, Home Depot and uh, I was looking for some stuff, stuff as they say, and I could not resist walking through the Christmas goodies section there. So, you know, I saw uh, a lot of the uh, neat stuff that they have there, you know, the stuff that needs to be in your front yards like, uh, you know, Frosty the Snowman and uh Bumble, remember that from the uh, movie, uh, the little movie with uh, St. Nick and Bambi, and or not Bambi, Rudolph. Boy, I, get, I, I get it straight here, Bambi. <laughs> um, Rudolph, the red nose. Uh, anyway, uh, let's see what else was there. Oh, yes, yeah, naturally Santa Claus. But then as I was leaving the store, I walked uh, across the parking lot there, and I could not resist that fresh, beautiful scent of uh, Christmas tree. And it smelled so good. So uh, naturally, I was standing there looking, and uh, I took a picture of it. Yes, me sniffing a tree. So, you know, can't wait to get a Christmas tree in the front yard. Well, not in the front yard, inside the house. If you live up north, um, you probably have a Christmas tree in your front yard. Very possible. I know when I was a kid and I was going up in northern California, well, there's fir trees all over the place because, you know, it's kind of like a northern, northern thing, you know, northern United States. But we would go up to Lake Tahoe and we'd go to uh, Squaw Valley or someplace like that. And uh, that's generally where we spent Christmas. And it was pretty cool, you know. I mean, real snow, real trees. And, uh, you know, we'd hit the slopes every once in a while. But uh, it was really Christmassy, you know. It was really cool. So, you know, that 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 uh, scent, that smell of Christmas and the snow and stuff. So when you walk through there, it was kind of cool last night. And it just had that beautiful scent. In fact, I wasn't the only guy standing in there. There was a bunch of people in there going, my, this smells so good. You know, as they were walking through the parking lot, which is kind of a clever marketing thing. You know, if you think about it, you know, people walking through there, you got to go through the Christmas tree section to get into the store. So it just puts you in a really, really, really good mood. So to uh, our na- uh, nostalgic radio and cars countdown to Christmas, we're going to continue with our uh, – Theme, which is kind of like, uh, you know, stuff that we grew up with, you know, toy cars, model building, um, things of that nature. So we have a uh, interesting guest coming on this evening, and we're going to be talking about uh, toys and models and uh, kind of Christmassy things. So uh, that should be interesting. 
Uh, let's see. Again, you know, there's uh, car shows. There are a few of them going on. And uh, But if you want to find out where all of them are going on, at least in the state of Florida, be sure and check out floridacarshows.com or flacarshows.com. And you'll find out where all that stuff's going on. By the way, I just want to send this note out real quick. Uh, next week, we will be – we're going to get bumped one hour. So we will be on at 8 o'clock between 8 and 9 instead of 7 and 8 our normal time because Randy Harris, who does a sports show, is doing knockout radio. So he's live from someplace. My guess is one of those WMF things because he's into that a little bit. So uh, they will be doing a, uh, a special here next week. At our regular time, between 7 and 8 p.m., knockout radio. So, But we will be on right afterwards, faithfully, with uh, some more stuff. The Nostalgic Radio Cars Countdown to Christmas between 8 and 9 next week. So be sure and tell your friends. But uh, we'll, we'll post it on our Facebook page and stuff. So anyway, I think what we're going to do is uh, – let's see. What did I do this past weekend? Hmm. I don't think I did much of anything. I was thinking I was tinkering with my cars. And, uh, oh, I know what I did this past weekend. Of course, duh. Is uh, Saturday we had the British Car Show over at Philippi Park. So those of us into British cars, and as you well know, and if you listen to the story, the store, the store, the show on a regular basis, you know that we have a little 74 MGB GT, Miss Money Penny, and uh, she's kind of become like a, a local PR car for us, a little celebrity in her in her own little right. So we drove her out to Philippi Park and joined the rest of the Bridge Car Club guys out there. And it was some pretty cool cars. It was some you know usual array of uh, MGBs and TR4s and TR6s and um, Spitfires and Austin Healys and Jaguars. And uh, and there was a really cool little Mini Cooper in front of me. It was a 1966 Mini Cooper S. Which is kind of cool. An S is a 1275 horse, 1275 cubic inch. Alan's going to call in a minute. I know he is because I goofed this up already. Uh, I think they normally come with, mm, I'm going to say 1,100cc or maybe 800cc, somewhere between 8, 9, 10, and 1,100cc. And I think their little hot rod motor is 1,275cc. Now think about that. The car is 10 feet long. In fact, the commercial, the ad, I think back in the day, used to say the most fun you can have in, within 10 feet or something like something to that effect. But this car was kind of set up kind of cool. It was uh, left-hand drive, which was kind of nice. It was bought by a serviceman in Europe and driven throughout. Yep, there goes the phone. Uh, it's probably going to be corrected. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, but it was left-hand drive, and it had a really cool rally light on the roof, which uh, which is kind of neat. You know, basically, it's like a Lucas 576, which you're familiar with. That. That's the ones with the little nipples on it. Sure enough, Alan. Okay, Alan, come on. Correct me. Okay, I didn't get that all. I was walking inside the door, and I heard you say my name. What were you talking about? Oh, well, I was uh, kind of goofed up on the uh, displacement on the Mini Coopers. You know, the, the, the Mini Cooper S has a 1275 in it, and oh, what's the stand? Yeah, well, yeah, the, yeah the, uh, the Rover, the, um, yeah, the Austin Minis, they had um, an 850. It had the BMC A block. It had the small block in it. Okay, so it was 800 and some odd cubic inches then, or yeah, CCs. Yeah, that's like 998, 1998, 1275, and I, that had a, the 948, too. So if I'm, I've covered them all, okay, pretty much. Just in case, just in case you missed one. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah John Cooper's car did have the big engine in it. It did, okay. And, yeah, and, yeah. and that's where the name Cooper comes from, right? Yeah, John Cooper, yeah. He was the guy that created the, the mini Cooper. Now, was no, there no, was... No, 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 no. He created the Cooper. It was the Cooper. A, it was called a mini, Alex. 
Isigonius, no one can say his last name right, drew it out on a napkin, okay? And um, then it was first uh, Morris Mini, then it was the Austin Mini. The Cooper was a, like a Mustang GT, had a Mini Cooper. Okay, so it was originally yeah, yeah. a Mini, and then Cooper was like the performance version. Yeah, then they had also had an S, which is a higher performance. Which is the higher performance? Well, that's the one that was at the car show the other day. I was talking about the uh, or talking about the uh, British car gathering by the nope. local Tampa Bay British Car Club. Yeah. And uh, so, anyway, so where I was going with the story is, is as I as there was another party or another party, another car show going on. I think in Oldsmar at the time at Rio Park. Is it was that what it's called over there in Oldsmar? The Rio Park because Branson E. Olds. Yeah, uh, named Oldsville yeah, like Olds, yeah, yeah. of Oldsville fame, named Oldsmar after I guess himself. Something there's that history connection there. At right. any rate, as I'm going down Racetrack Road, this little guy in front of me, which was a MG Midget, which was bright orange with some really cool '70s style pinstriping. I was kind of cool, and the guy that was in the car was a rather large guy, and uh, so I happened to be just kind of cooling past him just a little bit and then we came to the traffic light together and he looked over at me and i looked over at him and he goes cool car and i go cool car and then uh he says where are you headed and i said well i just came from a british car show i'm going over to a friend of mine's house to work for a little bit and i said you need to be going to a car show and he says where's there's a car show and i said there's one going over there whatchamacallit at uh, olds park and uh so anyway i i went to hand him a business card and he goes hey man dude i'm 300 pounds i can barely get in this thing much less get out of it but he but nonetheless he had this big poo-poo eating grin on his face and he was so happy and his girlfriend was in the car with him they both were having a great time and uh so i jumped out of my car real quick and uh, handed him a business card and said here cut in front of me go over in the turn lane and you know mosey on back to the park and have a good afternoon and where i'm going with this is that it doesn't matter what the car is as long as the car puts a smile on your face and you're having a good time and it was spectacular weather over the weekend that's really 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 what it's all about it's having fun in your car, no matter what it is. The car just has to make you happy. It doesn't matter what it is. Right, Alan? Yeah, and your uh, BGT sitting next to his midget, because he's got the small block, and you got the big block. <laughs> I got the big he's block. He's and you're a 428. Yeah, there you go. You're big iron. I'm the big Well, the, 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 the funny thing about it was, is even if he could, even though the B's bigger than the midget, there's no way he could fit in either car. Comfortably, so at least with a, a little MG midget, he could at least in his head was over the windshield, you know. But he was having a great time. Yeah, with the seats he got in your car, you could get in it, but you have to like turn the car over to get him out. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know I'm like that with that car. And bang on it a few times and hope you fall out. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. I got it. Give him a little butter, you know. Okay, cool. So speaking of which, when are you going to get one of your cars on the road? You got that Ranchero sitting over there and the Volvo sitting over there, and what else yeah, is hidden I, in the I back there? I was thinking about the Volvo, you know, but then it, since I'm so agile, you know, it takes me a while. I'm like the paraplegic one. I don't feel I can do it well as the others. It's giving me much more time. Okay. Well, eventually you will, so then we'll have to drag yeah. you to some of the car shows. Right. Anyway. And I found, and I found an old Formula wheel that would be, fit a um, BMW. Uh, Excuse me, Austin Mini in the garage. I found one. A Formula wheel, really? That's that's yeah, leather. Yeah, yeah. That's a leather wrapped wheel, right? No, no, it's a wood wheel, but it's got the it's a three spokes with a elongated hole in the spokes. You know, it's just got the it don't have the holes. It's got the just the elongated triangle. You just recently found that it wasn't hanging up on the wall. No, I just I was wandering around. I got a 1970 Dodge Challenger steering wheel, 
but the low mile four speed car it's got a little wear where the guy's left hand was on the wheel because he's always shifting with the right ah. yeah okay well Alan I'm going to let you go we're going to fire up the uh, I think we got some 9 volt batteries for the transistor radio so I think what we're going to do is play a little oh, I got one of those sitting here you got one of those sitting there okay um, yeah. yeah so uh, I've, I actually found mine the other day I forgot that I even still had it and it's the one that I had from way back in the 70s in fact I used to let it sit in the station wagon in the back and it literally this is how Japanese things were back in the day uh, it melted it literally dis. De- uh, de- deformed a little bit but it still played at the time with a 9 volt battery and I was at least smart enough to take the battery out so it didn't eat all the, yeah. the well, connections the little transistor I, radio I got it's a Hitachi it's a really fancy one because it's just it's transistor on the front <laughs> <laughs> alright Alan you take care okay. I'll see you I'll see you bye alright so Vaughn, let's see. Spin the uh, spin. Uh, plug in the nine volt, and let's see if we can get a little. Uh, got a little green onions. We got some green onions. Yeah, we got because we're gonna be talking about green stuff here a little bit later. So uh, all kinds of green stuff, mean and green. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio Cars. Don't touch that dial. We will be right back. Radio and cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend Corey at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. 
Looking for car shows? Then look no further than flacarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com. This is Ed Justice Jr., President and CEO of Justice Brothers Incorporated. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back. And yeah, you are tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And uh, that's our good friend Ed Justice of Justice Brothers. And I'm sure you've used some of their products. And um, I was just uh, conversing with him via email. And I think they have a book out, which we're going to get some information on. And the book is 100 Years of Justice Brothers. I believe that's something how it goes. And, uh, and they started out, they were actually from Florida, believe it or not, and uh, just outside of Daytona. And the great-grandfather, they started experimenting with lubricants, you know, because as racing was in cars and, and motors and motorcycles and all kinds of stuff that was going on, you know, industry in general. You know, friction is a reciprocating engine worst nightmare. Uh, if you tune into our good friends, the Grease Gurus, and uh, at any rate um, – the uh, Grease Gurus always talks about engine maintenance and stuff like that. So what happens is uh, you got to have your cars, you got to have the right kind of lubricants in there to make that thing work right. So anyway, so they developed some really cool oils and and stuff like that. But they, uh, as a as a side deal, you know, other uh, products came out of that. You know, cleaners and and chemicals and things like that that we use in the automobile industry. So anyway, so they've got a book out, and I believe it's 100 Years of Justice Brothers, if I'm saying this correctly, but I'll do my research and I'll know for sure next week. And uh, we'll probably have uh, Ed on and talk about that. But the thing that's interesting about that book is along the way, all the history, all the development, all the people, the legendary names, the racing figures, the motorsports figures, the people that were innovative in the industry, in the automobile industry for the last 100 years involved in primarily racing uh, is our, our reference in that book. And along the way, they just met some really, really, really interesting people. And it would, the, the list of names is endless. And, and obviously, those of us that are really, really serious car guys would recognize many of those names. So, you know, I mean, in the modern day uh, era, you know, you're going to have names like Penske and you're going to have names like Shelby and people like that. Um, the legendary race car drivers like Phil Hill and Dan Gurney and and uh, Sterling Moss and people like that that raced over here in the United States. So, you know, and then on the NASCAR world, you're going to have uh, – Names like uh, Fireball Roberts and, uh, you know, um, uh, Pearson, unfortunately, who just passed away here. One of my favorites and who raced Fords, which was uh, the Gray Fox. Uh, Silver Fox, excuse me, not Gray Fox, Silver Fox. And um, so, you know, and uh, so there was a lot of, you know, tiny tiny Lund who, who raced Fords and the Flock Brothers and people like that who were, you know, pioneers in the, in the NASCAR world. And then, of course, Open Wheel because they were really heavy into uh, IndyCar stuff. So the Myers family, you know, and the Millers and people like that that uh, created – and the Duesenbergs, you know, all those people all used, you know, 
oil products and they all kind of you know when you hang out of the racetrack you all get together and so there's there's a tremendous camaraderie around racing and people so anyway so uh i think what we're going to do is we're going to fire up the turn them up table here in a second and we're going to get our guests on we have a very very special guest coming on for you here in a few minutes and i know you're going to enjoy this show uh don't forget to check out our facebook page and find out exactly who it is anyway hey you're tuning into nostalgic reading cars here's a little well sublime this is a little out of our uh ballpark but the song's cool so uh, hey you're tuning into nostalgic reading cars don't touch the dial we'll be right back And it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman's uh, comes from a very legendary family of artistic car people. I'm delighted to welcome to the show Dennis, Little Daddy Roth, son of Big Daddy Ed Roth. Dennis, how you doing? Hey, brother. What's going on, baby? Oh, we're just uh, out here chilling, <laughs> literally, in Florida right now. So uh, you're in sunny Arizona, right? Are you in California? Oh, man. We, uh, it's only been 70 around here lately. It's only been 70. We all got jackets on. 
<laughs> it's 70 and you got jackets on, right? Oh, yeah. It's like when it gets down to 70, you weren't got a hoodie on and everything. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Well, take us uh, down memory lane here a little bit uh, with your uh, your dad, your your brothers. There was, what, four brothers and f- there's five boys all together, right? Is that what it was? Yeah, five boys, Howard, Dennis, Charlie, George, and Daryl. I'm the second of five, and I'm here with Charlie. And uh, what, what it was is, uh, well, uh, my dad got hooked up and my mom with Ravel uh, from this, through this guy named Jimmy Keeler that worked for Ravel. He was like a 16-year-old kid. But he told Ravel, instead of making battleships and planes, dude, you should make some cars. And so I think Ravel made a Valiant uh, model, first of a Valiant, for some reason. And, and they made the Outlaw. And it just started selling like hotcakes, you know. So after the Outlaw was built, my mom and dad signed a 15-year contract with Ravel to supply a car a year to make a model out of. And uh, so that's where we came in. You know, growing up in the 60s, there was really no, like, child labor laws. So uh, it was like uh, after Robert Williams and Ed Newton, the artists, and, you know, all the guys that, that were at the shop, Dave Mann, Von Dutch, they all, you know, they were in and out. Uh, but they all went home like at 5 o'clock, and that's when me and my brothers went to the back shop with my dad, and we built these uh, cars that were static di- displays, you know, show cars. Uh, my first memories of building cars was when I was uh, in 1960, when I was uh mixing up plaster for the original beatnik bandit oh wow that is cool now you said static well because you, your dad if you go back in the mid 50s now he built some hot rods and i think one of the first hot rods he built um that most people may remember is he had a 1930 ford model a right that was kind of really tricked out a little bit paint job and all that stuff yeah the little jewel the little uh, jewel okay yeah you know him and my mom were on the way back from uh Sumter, south carolina dad was uh stationed in Morocco, but my mom was living in Sumter there on the base at Shaw Air Force Base. And uh, on the way back, uh, they were driving there, Henry J. And uh, I asked mom here a couple of days ago, I go, hey, mom, how much did you pay for that Model A you guys got in Winslow, Arizona? And she goes, oh, you know what? She goes, the trailer and the car were both under 100 bucks, you know, 100 bucks for everything. And so dad brought that home, and, and that was the last steel car he told me he would fix up is a you know, because uh, Henry Ford had built it, and he had did everything he could to it, painted it, put a glass floor in it, polished the transmission. He goes, at that point, he goes, I just knew that I had to build my own car. And so he sold the little jewel so he could pay for the chrome on the Outlaw. Now, was the Outlaw, which was basically a tea bucket, right, if I remember correctly? Yeah, pretty much a tea bucket with the turtle deck on it and the 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 wings above the headlights. That was Ravel's first model they made of it. Okay. And me and Tony were real little kids, you know, but my older brother remembers playing in it as a child because back then when we did the buck, we did it out of solid plaster, and it was ground to shape. Later on, as we got into the road agent, Mysterion, we, we put uh, vermiculite in the plaster. It was much easier to shape with a sure form file. Wow. Now, take us through the process, because you used the term static. So, like the Outlaw, the Beatney Band, the Mysterium, were those cars drivable, or were they supposed to just be static displays, or what was the original concept on those cars? Well, originally, uh, you know, a lot of them ran. Okay. Uh, but Dad would make them in, unrunnable because he didn't want, you know, they were on tour with the World of Wheels and stuff, and a lot of them, you know, fell up, you know, the Mysterion, you know, it fell apart. It was lost for many years before it was restored, so... Uh, 
you know, they, it was so heavy, the engines, you know, the two engines. He built the Mysterion after seeing uh, Eddie Hill's double-engine dragster, but it, it couldn't take the uh, beating up in the, the trailers, you know, uh-huh. uh, the, the weight of the engine. So a lot of the times, but, you know, Dad, you know, this, the beatnik band is even too small for Dad to fit in, so he, he would like not them to run, more or less. Even the last beatnik band that we did, everything to it, all we did is never turn the key. There's fuel in it. It's in the National Automobile Museum. It has fuel. It's, it's got water, everything. But we never turned the key and turned the engine over. Now, was that the Beatnik Bandit 2? Is that what that was? Yeah, the yellow one we built in the okay. 90s. Okay. Now, your dad, you said your dad was big. Your dad, uh, big guy. Kind of, he was, what, 6'5", something like that? He was pretty tall, wasn't he? Yeah, he was 6'4", 6'5", right? Yeah, okay. And he, and he had giant hands. He had, like, you know the old school grinders before they made the little Makita style? Yeah. The old man got those big metal ones at Sears, and I mean, he used to one-hand them deals. You know, <laughs> we were kids, and it was like, he'd put metal in the vice and just be one-handing that big grinder, man. It was a big metal grinder, you know, that we could barely lift it with two hands when we were kids. Wow, wow. So the the first cars, I mean, the, the, the articles say, if you read them, it says he used plaster. So I might, when I think plaster, I'm thinking plaster used on walls and stuff like that. So it was like plaster Paris, like we used to use in school. Is that what some of the cars were hand-formed with? Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, when you see pictures of Dirty Doug next to the surf bike, he's got white powder all over him. That's huh. not fiberglass. That's actual plaster because they were grinding the cars to shape. I would say on the Orbitron is the first thing we started using a different media in with the plaster. Uh, so, some, But then we end up with Vermiculite because it would stay wet and uh, you could shape the cars easier. But the Beatnik Bandit was so heavy when... Uh, we were building it that, uh, you know, the weight of the plaster was bearing it down on it so much that Dad uh, welded angle iron to the floor um, from the chassis just to keep the car up, you know, where the tires wouldn't be squatted all the way out. Uh, you know, because we built cars just, you know, in real time, just sitting where they are at, you know, build the chassis and start throwing plaster on it. Well, when the car got heavy and started breaking stuff, you know, the fender's off. <laughs> yeah, it was Wow. Now, your brother, Char- Charlie, you're there, right? Charlie, can you hear us okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, I I, I uh, had the pleasure of meeting you, uh, I think it was last year. Or the, yeah, it might have been last year. We were sitting there hanging out at Justice Brothers. Uh, Ed Justice was there and stuff, and we talked a little bit. So you were all part of the gang, too. So your dad basically had all you guys, all you kids working there, right? You know what? The bottom line is, once I went to kindergarten, <laughs> after school, the shop was two blocks away. I'd walk to the shop at like 1230, you know, until 8 o'clock at night. My my butt would be at the end of the uh, uh, dryer on the T-shirt machine folding T-shirts for, you know, seven, eight hours a day until my mom called and said, Ed, send the kids home. (laughs) (laughs) So from five on, we were were at the shop all the time. I mean, you know, you were talking about the outlaw and some other things. One of the funniest things I think is the the outlaw had a a big uh, saber. For a stick shift, yeah, and everybody goes, "Where'd you get that, man?" And and uh, uh, you know, we we finally found out that my grandmother was his father. Her father yeah. was yeah was in the Civil War, and that was his. And my dad took that, chopped it off, and used it as a uh, stick shift for the outlaw. And we just thought that was hilarious, man. Right, because at first it was called Excalibur, and that's why outlaw was called Excalibur because of that sword shifter. Oh no, kidding. Yeah, some crazy stuff. And, and you talk about plaster. The, the way he formed everything, he'd use whatever he could. I mean, 
He'd use plywood, two by fours, the chicken wire, and then he'd start, you know, it newspaper like paper mache. You know what I mean? And then he start <laughs> put, putting the plaster on, and then once once the fiberglass, with, he had it all shaped. He put the fiberglass on, and then we had to dig out all the damn plaster from underneath the, uh, uh, the fiberglass. It was, and if you look at some of the cars, you could still see plaster up in there where you just couldn't get stuff out (laughs) now the plaster is still in the wings above the outlaw as a matter of fact if you tap on them you'll they sound solid because dad never cut them open took the plaster out no kidding now did he ever come up did he have plans or did he just like look at it and he was just totally creative and just free-formed it and just it's all in his head and then that's what the that's what the final product was is that the way that worked uh, well, the outlaw and the beatnik bandit, he had ideas for. Uh, but I would say after after Surfite, when Ed Newton got to the shop and started working there in '63, uh, that uh, all the cars were drawn first. So we had a real good idea of how to kind of mock up the body with, you know, one by sticks and chicken wire <laughs> and newspaper, so we could, you know get it a lot closer to what we wanted before we just started slaying all a bunch of heavy weight on the car. Tell so us about, yeah, go ahead. All right. Now tell us about the paint process too, because you were talking earlier about metal flake and because your dad was like into metal flake. Yeah. Well, see, that's why uh, I started the metal flake factory after dad died. But once the um, outlaw and beat McBandit and the cars were coming back off the show tour in the, uh, you know, the middle sixties, you know, 66, 67, we're already repainting them. And we were repainting them with this new stuff, Metal Flake, and Dad was loving it. I mean, it, it looks just great, you know. And uh, so that's where I got my first Metal Flake education. The, the, a lot of the V8 trikes were painted those. And then also my mom and dad uh, had the patent on the, you know, uh, Volkswagen trikes. And I think they got that, was awarded in 1970. 72, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, so... Uh, you know, and we pulled all the molds out of the bodies out with uh, flake on them. So that was a big thing back in the day, but it was made with metal flake. But now, you know, at Roth Metal Flake, we do all our metal flake with polymers and candy colors and UV protection and lasers. You know, some of the prismatics are cut with lasers. So Okay. But the, but, cry from the old days. But the original metal flake was actual metal shavings, right? That's what it was, if I understand it correctly? Yeah, because, you know, we have bags of metal flake at the shop, and then they came in little, uh, like, bags, and they'd be so heavy. And if it got wet on the bottom, it'd kind of corrode together, and you can't use that metal flake, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of clears around then for metal flake, but, you know, there is now. So, uh, you know, thank God that, you know, paint has gone, you know, technology is gone through the roof lately just like everything yeah now tell us the story because the most famous thing is obviously is ratfink okay which was the anti-mickey so how'd that come about well you know uh you know those guys like dad and stanley mouse miller of course who's famous for the grateful dead stuff they were doing uh t-shirts like at autorama in detroit and stuff and they were meeting up and so dad and mouse were good friends and uh Dad always liked the way Mouse signed his name. So uh, Dad had uh, Monty, this guy, one of Stan's friends. He's an artist, Monty. And he wrote a book and everything. And Dad had him do some drawings of Stan's, like, uh, signature, you know, this little running mouse. 
you know, but like if you look at early ads, a lot of people had bad things. But I just think that dads became the most uh, popular. You know oh, what I mean? And okay. really took off in the older days because it was just really ratty and gnarly looking. It was the Beavis and Butthead of the time. You know, the parents <laughs> hated it and the kids loved it. Then you got a hit, you know. Right, yeah. Well, that's why, you know, you look at some of the names because some of the, what was it, Mother's Worry and, uh, let's see, um, Dragnut yeah, and, I, and some of those. Wild, right, with the brass knuckles and the hatchet. Yeah, it was all pretty pretty stiff stuff for back in the day. <laughs> so, now those models, now Ratfink was the green rat that was kind of like a play on Mickey. So that was the antagonist. That was the, you know, ratty looking Mickey that ate flies and stuff. Yeah, Mickey Mouse type thing. Now the 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 model line that you guys had, if I remember correctly, it was called wasn't it Weirdos or something like that? Uh, I think the Weirdos were like AMTs or what? Because Joe Starbird was at, with AMT, but I don't, I don't, yeah, they, these were with Ravel. Ours were all with Ravel. Oh, okay. What happened was after they made you know the Outlaw and the Beanie Bandit and the Road Agent and the Mysterion, they they were selling so many car models, they wanted some. Uh, you know, something different. So dad goes, Hey, let's just make car models. Like that looks like the t-shirts. And they go, yeah, we can do that. So they just got this guy, you know, this really crazy guy that could sculpt real good. And him and dad just sat down and made those models out of clay. Oh, really? That's how the original ones were then. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, Ravel just recently went out of business, but I mean, Lou and Royal Glazer were the nicest people to us when we were kids. You know what I mean? I mean, I, Ravel really changed my mom and dad's life. You know, even when they made the Beatnik Bandit Hot Wheels, they had a license. Mattel had a license that threw Ravel because they were still under contract with Ravel. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Now, all the 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 Rat Fink looking kind of characters in the cars. When did that come out? Was that like early sixties twos? Did that start out as a T-shirt thing, or did that start out and and or did it start out with the models first? How did that all come about? I, I think it all like was percolating at the same time. Okay. You know, with my dad and Stan doing t-shirts, Stan Mouse and you know Jeffries, everyone was doing t-shirts, something they could do at the show and you know sell, make a couple bucks or you know I, I guess. I, but uh, the monsters were just on shirts. Dad would put monsters on everything. And uh, once Rat Pink got famous, that was the first one we started silk screening. That and Wild Child. Okay. Now when you guys came up with a lot of stuff did did your dad actually draw most of this stuff or did did he have an artist friend help him out or is because how to, how artistic was your dad well you know what my my dad's artwork came out more at the end of the, his trowel when he was building cars or his pinstriping brush and that but my dad uh, like he said in his book you know that uh he was more of a producer so like but he had the best guys like you know ed newton robert williams uh Daryl Zipper, Dave Mann, Von Dutch. You know, these, these are all the guys that worked for him. So, uh-huh. like, he, he knew who to who to use. And, you know, like, whether Dad's artwork was good or bad on, you know, my dad could really airbrush good. But, you know, to sit down and draw something like a piece like Newt can or Robert Williams can, well, that's just like, no one can do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> or Von Franco. There was another guy. Yeah. And, insane, yeah. you know. Now, how about you? You've got uh, uh, which one of the brothers? I mean, how many of you guys have actually kind of, kind of like, have the gene from your dad that have really artistic and kind of carried on the tradition a little bit? Is it you and and Charlie, or 
Who no, all? no, let me tell you. This is Charlie. And, right, Charlie. and everybody always asks me that. <clears throat> the only There's two of them. Howard, my oldest brother, and Dennis here. Are the only ones that got the gene. Everybody say, hey, you're Big Daddy's son, man. Can you draw me a picture? I tell them, dude, unfortunately, I didn't get that gene. I <laughs> screw up sick people, man. I had to work for a living. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, but it, and, and talking about Dad, Dad could draw stuff very well, but just not really... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Detailed, but detailed and stuff. He, he'd draw something and give it to one of his artists and say, here, ink this out. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh, Franco, you know, Von Franco, all those guys. But, yeah, for as far as, I mean, I, I've been in the environmental industry for 40 years. I, I, I can't, I still screw up the stick people. Yeah, he still, he makes money, Robert. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I love hot rods. I have a 1955 Chevy panel truck. Uh, I, I'm, I've always loved hot rods. Always. Okay. That's yeah, cool. Well, we grew up at car shows, basically. You know, Dad said, you know, we ne- we never go to car shows. I mean, we don't go to uh, Disneyland, but we all, we can go to car shows, and we go to Von Dutch's house, and you know, Von Dutch had a pool, so that was cool. Yeah, we yeah. yeah. It totally started shooting in the pool one day. <laughs> but but um, you know, it was like get grab your trunks and 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 get in the hearse. We're on the way to Von Dutch's, so that was like going to Von, uh, Von Dutch's was like going to Disneyland for us, because like. You know, Bud Eakins would be there, Steve McQueen. Well, we didn't even know who they really were then, but Steve McQueen had a half-track, and he'd take us for a ride in his half-track that he kept at Dutch's Ranch in Calabasas. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. One yeah, other... So that was at Disneyland, for, you know, and then it was back to the shop building cars. <laughs> who are some of the other famous people that you guys kind of hung around with that you kind of knew who they were but turned out to be pretty pretty, pretty important uh, down the road? In the older days... Uh, I have three daughters, and when my daughters were first born, uh, my dad was in Utah. I told him, Dad, you know, why don't you come to the house for Thanksgiving? And he says, you know what? He goes, every year I'm in, in uh, down in Texas for Thanksgiving. I always go to a buddy's house. And I go, okay, okay. So finally, like 15 years later, I said, Dad, why don't you come to my house? He goes, I'm going to Bill's. I go, in Texas. I go, Bill, Bill who? He goes, you know, Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. <laughs> years. He was been going to to Billy Gibbons' house for for Thanksgiving every year. You know, it's like, what? Well, that's during the World of Wheels uh, uh, ending show down there in November during Turkey Day. So, you know, but so a lot of times, like, you know, yeah, of course Billy Gibbons, but like Jeff Beck, all the guys that are into hot rods are, are you know, Bud Goff from Sublime. You just meet these guys at car shows. Really, I, I never really met any of them at a concert or something. But I guess you know it would be the first thing if. You do. If you got any money, you'd be buying yourself some hot rods, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. All right, so yeah. so Dennis, tell us about uh, um, your business now. You've got uh, Rothlake. Tell us about Rothlake, and, and you're where? You're up in uh, basically the Oakland area up there. So you're in the Bay Area, San Francisco area, kind of like, right? Yeah, we're right there in Fremont, across the street from Tesla. But uh, we just started doing the flake after Dad died because we wanted to get into, you know, what we know best is, like, painting and all that. So. You know, we did start out with metal, metal flake, but now we have uh, all polymers and, you know, UV coated, you know, things we can control, you know, like you couldn't in the old days, there was just like that and that, and that's all you got. Uh But now, you know, we even have the prismatics that bling different colors because they're all cut like tiny prisms with lasers. And so we've gone into a line of nail polish and believe it or not, uh, rattle cans that you can just shake up and spray metal flake right out of uh, and, and uh, we sell it, a lot of it through uh, you know our vendors uh, because people are just winning car shows with like painting their bikes with uh, you know metal flake out of a spray can 
but you know, it's all automotive paint. And right. then you have to use, but see, since the uh, Germans invented the Y2K clear that, you know, has the dryer in the bottom, you know, you punch this thing on the top bottom and it puts the MEK in the clear. You can do automotive clear at your house now with the spray can. So almost everything, that's when I started putting metal flake in spray cans. Once you can do automotive clear at your house with spray can, because almost no one wants you spraying anything now. I think California is even going to outlaw a rattle can here pretty soon. Oh, geez. Now, I, was, uh, you, I didn't get to watch the whole thing, but you got a YouTube video or you got a documentary on your website there, something showing people how to do spray bombs and, and to use the actual stuff, too. So if, if people want to follow you and find out more about what you do and, and, and the process, how do they go about doing it? Oh, we're Rock Metal Flake on Facebook or, you know, rockmetalflake.com, but or Rock Metal Flake on Instagram and Facebook, though, probably easiest. Okay. And Charlie, you're just doing the environmental thing. So what are you doing? Trying to keep the world, the planet safe and clean? Keeping LA Harbor clean. <laughs> <laughs> LA Harbor. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, yeah. Wow. So uh, up after all these crazy hot rodders. Is that what it is? <laughs> oh, okay. So uh, yeah. Okay. So you sp- <laughs> But do, but you're all the, the other brothers, let's see. I think I talked to uh, Daryl. So Daryl's doing something with uh, he's brand he, he does something with uh, brand copyright Monster, Monster Energy. Yeah, Monster yeah. Energy. Named, named after Daryl Starbird. Huh? Named after Daryl Starbird, our good friend. I'll be at his show in Tulsa here in February. Monster Energy? His name no, Daryl. My brother Daryl. Oh, Daryl. Oh, oh, really? He's my oh. Named after Daryl Starbird. Oh, no kidding. Oh, wow, yeah. that's cool. All right, and then and you're, my brother George named after George Barris. What yeah. about what about Howard? He was the first one. My dad just said, "How weird." My mom thought he said Howard. <laughs> <laughs> How weird. I like that. That's good. That's good. <laughs> okay. All right. There you go. I mean, or you could say Bo, Larry, Shemp, You know, Howard. You know, the the three Stooges. <laughs> right. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. So, what do you got in the works right now? What other kind of projects? And then, by the way, the the web the website is there's a website dedicated to your dad, the Ed Roth website. So. Who takes care of that? Is that you guys do that or somebody else do that? Yeah, I think that's uh, one of his last wives okay. uh, up in Utah there. So okay. okay. We uh, do the rock metal flake one, and then uh, someone else does the rat pink one. Now, what about some of the stuff that your dad created? I mean, have you guys gone around and tried to collect up some of the memorabilia and stuff like that? Are you guys into that stuff too as well? Uh, no, really. I mean, you know, I got stuff that, you know, me and Charlie have stuff like, you know, that dad has gave us and lettered for us and made for us and we keep that of course but like we don't really go around collecting too much because that stuff's really high priced now <laughs> yeah you know in fact um i think it was either i don't remember if it was last year or the year before they had a complete ed roth display at amelia at the amelia island concourse here in florida north florida and uh i think the orbitron was there the beatnik bandit maybe the two was there um, the Mysterium might have been there. I can't remember. I think a couple of the motorcycles, because you guys came out with the VW trikes back in the day. Some pretty cool stuff. Well, you know, here's the deal, Robert. We're really honored that people take that work seriously now. Like, because Dad, at the end, he really didn't. He traded all the cars to Jimmy Brucker for, like, a Volkswagen, you know. But to see now that people are have the total respect for, like, work, that my dad did and that we did as kids to me is a big honor, you know, and I like to see those cars back put back together and, and uh, 
restore it. I, I think, you know, but at, at one point, you know, when they were in movie world, they, they were worth nothing to dad. You know, he, he was, uh, you know, that was a bad time. And, you know, he went to work at Knott's Berry Farm and kind of pulled himself out of it. But, uh, you know, at one point, those cars were nothing. And now to see him restore the Druid Princess, all those cars put back to the way they were, I mean, I, I love it. Yeah, that's great. You know, it's like our history. That's our family. You know, like the road agent. Mom put the bubble up on the road agent in the garage, and we used it as our hamper. <laughs> that was our third hamper. And now the uh, president in blanky shoes owns it. You know what I mean? Wow. So like, right. My DNA's in there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hey, listen, guys. We're up, well, ag- you- we're up against the clock here, but I want to thank you guys very much for coming on the show here. And uh, I, I certainly want to stay in touch, and you know, hopefully, I will see you guys at some of the events. And Absolutely. again, and uh, you know, I wish you guys the best of luck, Charlie. It was nice to meet you out there. Maybe I'll see you again at SEMA, um, Dennis. Hopefully, maybe I'll see you at SEMA sometime. And I'm a little uh, blue running around. <laughs> okay. Well, again, I want to thank my very special guests, Dennis and Charlie Roth. Dennis, little daddy Roth. Dennis, best of luck to you. Merry Christmas to both you guys. And uh, as we say, as we say in German, Frohe Weihnachten, right? You remember that one? Frohe Weihnachten. <laughs> yeah. All right. Super. Well, you get, you guys take care. All right. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, I want to thank all my special listeners and my special guests, obviously, for this evening. Uh, don't forget to check us out every Tuesday night here on the Tan Talk Radio Network. Don't forget, we're here every Tuesday between seven and eight p.m. But next week, next week. Don't forget, Randy Harris, Knockout Radio, between 7 and 8 p.m. But we will be on between 8 and 9, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't forget to tell your friends. I want to see you guys at some of the car shows. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. Pay you ten dollars if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. WTAN, Clearwater.